0: Hi, I'm Lissette Jacobson, host of the Black, Brown, and Bilingue podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. I am so excited to be here with you all today on this wonderful Tuesday. Thank you for making My EdTech Life part of your day. And as always, my friends, thank you so much for all the likes, shares, and follows. Thank you so much for the retweets and, of course, just being part of our community. As you know, our mission is to... Uh, connect educators and creators one show at a time. And I am excited about today's show because today our guest is William Gruby, who I just pretty recently met actually, as in I think it was this last week that I ended up meeting him. He just, um, you know, tweeted me out, tagged me on a post, got to talking with them and now all of a sudden he is on the show because today we are talking about navigating the AI driven classroom and and as you can tell I accidentally missed both classroom here but we'll get that taken care of anyway but William how are you this evening?
1: I'm great doing good thanks for asking.
0: Excellent well thank you so much for being here big hello to Raquel thank Thank you for joining us Nassim also thank you so much for joining us here Uh, this evening uh, through LinkedIn. And for all of our friends that are joining us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, please make sure that you type in your questions. Today's conversation is going to be a great one. I am excited and looking forward to talking about, uh, to talking to William about, of course, AI and in the classroom since, uh, you know, since December, you know, with ChatGPT being released and all of that, you know, so many people out there in the education space are harnessing the power of AI, but there are also many of us that kind of just want to reconcile, obviously, the positive, but then there's also that other side that not many people talk about, but I'm hoping that William today also will be sharing his expertise as he is doing some great things with many school districts in his area, but before we get into the amazing work that William's doing, William, if you can just uh, give us a brief introduction and what your context is in the AI and education space.
1: Yeah, so my name's William Gruby. Um, so back about in January, I started reaching out to schools wanting to more raise awareness that, uh, you know, these AI tools exist and how they're affecting how students learn and how they're going to have to affect how teachers teach, so I actually started presenting um, to staff at school all across the Midwestern area, um, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa. I'm just kind of explaining to them, you know, um, how AI is impacting education. And then uh, eventually, you know, I figured out, you know, more how to help them and uh, constructed a training or a program that kind of helps them walk them through, you know, how to create more AI resistant content and eventually, you know, ethically integrating AI into the classroom and kind of helping them through um, kind of a stepping stone. I'm a computer science master's student at North Dakota State University. So kind of um, bridging the gap between education and uh, AI.
0: Man, William, I absolutely love that. And so what I want to do, thank you so much for that introduction, just for all our audience members that are joining us and are getting to know who you are because I guarantee you that after today, many more people are going to get to know not only who you are, but the work that you're doing. And I'm really excited about that too, as well, because we definitely need um, some voices like yours, but also some expertise and experience like yours, that you get to see things from different lenses, from different grade levels, uh, different areas. So I'm really excited to pick your brain about that too, as well. But before we get into that too, as you know, anybody that is a guest on my edtech live is somebody that i see is doing some great things in the education space such as you just described and as we all know to for myself it's like it, you're almost like a superhero kind of like person and we all know that every superhero has an origin story so i know that you mentioned you're a computer science master's student but yes. i want to kind of go back a little bit as far back as you'd like to take us as far yeah. Um, as your education journey, was computer science something that you knew you wanted to do from a very young age? And if so, how did that, that uh, interest come about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a small town in the southwestern corner of Minnesota. I went to the same high school, graduated with about 50 kids. As a young kid, I always was interested in uh, the computer science field. and But then as I kind of grew up, I was a senior in high school and I actually first decided to go to college for nursing which is not uh, in the computer science realm at all. But uh, all it took was one semester of biology and I um, came to North Dakota State University for computer science. Um, It's always been what I was um, really good at and really enjoy. Um, And then eventually they have this master's program. It's an accelerated master's program called the four plus one program where um, you can start taking master classes in your junior and senior year than to just uh, get your master's faster. So that's the program I'm in right now. And actually last summer I had an internship at the service co-op that helps service schools all across Minnesota. And I worked in their cybersecurity department. So I really got to see, you know, where schools are at with, at, with technology, um, where they need help and just like really understand um, how teachers needed to be helped um, to really actually help them implement the ideas that we'll talk about today. Um, And just understand that teachers put on so many different hats during the day and uh, have so many different things that they're doing, not only in school, but in their life. So it's really hard for them to actually, you know, learn all these new technologies that are coming out that these kids are um, using every day.
0: Absolutely. You know, so that's very interesting, you know, going into nursing, but then switching over to computer science. So I want to ask, though, computer science. Was that something that you are were already really good at, you know, even though you the intention was nursing, but but was computers, yeah. maybe gaming and programming at a young age, yeah. was that something that you were already doing?
1: Yeah. So um, in high school, um, I was always more of a math kid. Um, I really enjoyed math and then started to kind of get into the computer science side of things, playing around with some code in high school. I'm never really diving really deep into it like I did um, p- post high school. But uh, I kind of senior year, for some reason, I decided nursing was the path, but uh, I quickly learned, you know, go back to the roots of math and computer science.
0: Excellent. Well, we already have some questions that are coming in uh, in the chat. Yeah. So maybe this even though this will kind of take us out a little bit of the order, but again, just to get the conversation. Started because again, this is all about AI and AI in the classroom and of course navigating the classroom now with so many AI tools. So the question that we have here from Nassim, it says, it says, I'm interested to know about prompt engineering for optimize you for or to optimize using AI tools, especially chat GPT. And of course, the, the term prompt engineering also is just very, very new that even in December, people were already talking about prompt engineers. So talk about seeing jobs created that didn't exist yet. Sir William, do you have any uh, kind of just uh, anything to add as far as prompt engineering and maybe the experience that you've had in either reading about it, seeing this, you know, new job come about, and maybe some of the talks that maybe you have within your circles. What a what are your thoughts on prompt engineering?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is actually um a big conversation started that one of the schools I'm working with, with this a teacher, you know, asked me, like, we sh- should we be teaching students um how to create good prompts? And it's a very valid statement, um, just because, you know, the way you ask. Um, an AI, the question is a big deal on what kind of response it gives back to you. But um, the biggest thing is, you know, people are going to learn by doing, um, they're going to learn by, you know, having experience with ChatGPT, asking it all sorts of questions. And, uh, you know, the better the answer is they get back, um, the more likely they are to an- ask a question again like that. So it's really all about experience, you know, getting your hands on with this um, new AI and learning, you know, how to create good prompts and how to get good responses from these. Um...
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know we had a little slight little technical difficulty there, but no, you're absolutely right. One of the things that I have learned is the better you are with your input, the better you, with your output will be. And so again, that's something that is a A great resource and a great tool. And not only that, but a teaching experience for our teachers within our classrooms. As we know, you know, this is something that um, is definitely going to be, I consider the future of work. And as you know, even a lot of companies having these uh, job postings now and and so many people that are out there creating, you know, so many different prompts and they've got scripts, they've got, you know, Notion, they've got Notion pages They've got all of these pages where you can go and get some resources to get you some amazing outputs. And so I completely agree, you know, as far as your experience now going into um, the school districts, like you mentioned, you're working with several school districts and several schools. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, what the first impression that you get from teachers is when you go in and talk to them about you know AI, and of course yeah. the AI in the in, in the classroom. What are their yeah. What are their thoughts? What are their reactions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first, I really explain to them what artificial intelligence is, and then I really dive deep into ChatGPT and what it can do. And you know, the initial response is you know some fear, like oh my, like this is crazy that the students have access to all this kind of stuff. But then I go into showing them how they can use it to their advantage and improve their curriculum and things like that. And then, you know, it's like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, I can use this to my benefit and use this as a tool to help me as a teacher. So it kind of starts off as fear. And then uh, the response comes more into like, wow, this is actually really cool and can be used as a tool to help me in my life.
0: Yeah, no. And you know what? I see that at on the teacher side, on the... that. That aspect, I can definitely see how a tool like this, if I was in the classroom and when I was in the classroom, if I would have had this tool, this could have definitely saved me so much time in not necessarily creating the lesson, but either enhancing the lesson or also being able to maybe create um, just uh, some additional lessons for maybe students that may need additional supports. You know, as you know, sometimes that is so time consuming and for teachers, we know that time is precious and valuable. So a tool like uh, ChatGPT and now with the new iteration of ChatGPT for, for just the amazing things that it can do for uh, a lesson is definitely great. The the time for prep for teachers is something that is wonderful. Uh, my question to you is, and again, this is for me coming on from the other side, like I said, I, I'm always kind of in the middle. I'm one of those educators that's in the middle that I definitely see the positive side of it. But then I also kind of yeah. see, uh, you know, speak a, a little bit on the other side that a lot of people may not talk too much about, which is that data the privacy side, you know, what's yeah. going on with the data, you know, obviously the age restrictions. Um, so for uh, for the work that you're doing is it are you seeing mainly the teachers are the ones that are the consumers or the the users of chat gpt or are you actually seeing some teachers that are allowing students to use this within the classroom
1: yes so mainly what i'm doing is just directly with the teacher how they can use it to Mm -hmm. you know tweak questions um to be more ai resistant and uh, have more critical thinking in them Um, how to tweak lesson plans to be more AI resistant. And so kids are actually learning more in school than they are on take-home assignments. Cause you know, um, kids always, you know, learn from doing. And uh, when they go home and now have these AI tools like ChatGPT to do it for them, um, you know, the learning while doing aspect is kind of going out the window. So it's more going into, you know, making curriculum that's more AI resistant. So uh, kids are still having that uh, learning experience through critical thinking.
0: You know, and that's something that's very interesting, interesting that you say, because I think that for a lot of teachers, the very beginning was like, great, like, there goes her job, you know, what am I going to do now? And, you know, oftentimes with innovation and and new things, there's always that onset fear at the very beginning, you know, the unknown, and then you just kind of learn how to navigate and thanks to somebody like yourself, that is a able to go out there and just kind of put teachers at ease but then at the same time showing them the magic that can happen and can occur is definitely something that is well well needed and i'm sure that it's well received because of that time aspect and just being able to change the lesson like you said still building those those critical thinking skills because i mean one thing that i have seen is even with chat gpt really it's it's a fancy google search in the sense that, you know, if a student, and, and I and I think for a lot of teachers, they know their students, they know their writing styles, they know what kind of output you normally get. And so for a student, like you said, that may want to go home and just say, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and put the prompt in chat GPT. Usually the answer is going to be like the, the top three hits in Google kind of put yeah. together, you know, as that's what's going to happen. And, and there isn't much of you know, their voice in it. There isn't still a lot of thinking because you're just asking them to produce. But I love your spin on it, what you're doing in helping them create assignments that are more AI resistant, where the students will still have to use their critical thinking skills, you know, collaboration skills. They're going to have to communicate. They're going to have to curate. They're going to have to cite. And most importantly, that citation portion of it is being able to find, you know, um, sources that are reliable, not just depend on what the output is and just say, okay, I'm going to turn in my paper because again, you know, what, what is it that the teacher's actually measuring? Are they measuring just how to either just cite cite sources Uh, Or they're building some kind of stamina. So I think that maybe this also is going to push teachers to go in different directions and enhance the lessons kind of like you're helping them do. So kind of maybe walk us through a little bit about, I know you've talked to us a little bit about what you already do, but maybe as far as how you begin the presentation, you know, how do you introduce the teachers to the chat GPT and of course um, enhancing their assignments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the program is like a four day almost training program. Day one being, you know, how is it affecting education? You know, interest, introducing them to it, um, showing them how it's being used by students, you know, touching on how they can use it for themselves, and then really going to, okay, what is it threatening? What's the underlying concept that it's threatening? Which is, um, you know, the, the thinking before the pen hits the paper. It's not necessarily the act of writing that means anything, it's all about the thinking before the pen hits the paper. Um, and then I ask them for ideas for themselves, um, what they think that could help them as far as integrating AI into the classroom or creating more AI resistant curriculum. And then uh, that just gets the ball rolling. And then as far as going into day two, that's all about um, structuring questions that are more AI resistant and structuring assignments that are more AI resistant. And then uh, day three goes more into structuring you know, how in-class activities are more AI resistant and how to get kids to, you know, build that critical thinking skill skill that can withstand technology's advancements um, in school rather than what it used to be doing um, on homework assignments. And then day four is, you know, how can they use it for um, productivity um, in their teacher's life and in their everyday life, Um, just making, you know, if they have less time focusing on making presentations, which I saw Canvas today released. Some I saw it on your Twitter fonts where they released the presentations where you can ask it to make certain presentation at loads like that, which is going to make the teacher's lives way more efficient. And then they can more focus on, you know, optimizing the lesson plan to set their kids up for future success in this more AI-driven world.
0: You know, and that, that's something that's great. You know, like I said, at, w- how fast... This is moving. I mean, it is moving so fast that a lot of us can't even keep up and, and, you know, more so as far as teachers within the classroom that still have to do their curriculum. But on top of this, this added layer of tech that's coming in and just like you mentioned, the release from Canva where it's now you have your magic designer. And it's very similar to the Microsoft designer, too, where you just type in, okay, what is it that I need? I need slides for this. Now, what I like about it is, number one, you're not starting from scratch. Now, for a teacher to already have something on those slides is something that is great. But at the same time, we need to make sure that, hey, let's go ahead and look through this, make sure that it aligns with our lessons and so on. But, again, now it's you're not starting from scratch. And now the editing part of it that aligns with your with your state standards and all of that definitely becomes so much easier. But not, not only yeah. that, like you mentioned, you can take a deeper dive now because you're not stressing out uh, where to start. You don't have to even worry about formatting your slides anymore. Everything is already done for you. And now you just really sprinkle on that greatness into your slides. And then also even... Yeah. For students as well, I, I believe that the creative or creativity component also as well can be easily heightened where oftentimes it was just very transactional. Like, here's your assignment. Okay, I turn it in. Here's your grade and that's it. But now it's like, all right, guys, let's let's take a look at this assignment. But this is what I would love for you to create. And again, I think that that's something that can definitely definitely enhance their learning in the classrooms
1: absolutely
0: all right so my next question to you is also as well and let me see we've got, we've got mel hey here we go we've got mel joining us and yeah, let me see thanks for inviting a student it's cool okay so this is mel mel is joining us from colombia so thank you so much mel for nice. joining us i really appreciate you he uh all your support as well so william let's uh you know again going back to that piece on reconciling my next question to you is you know how does your program you know when you talk to teachers address some of those ethical concerns as far as ai and data privacy um you know maybe tell us a little bit about that and your thoughts on it too as well
1: yeah, absolutely. So you know, with all these discussions with educators, um, that is one of the main questions that come up is those ethical concerns, you know, with the students. Um, but uh, it just you know we have a plethora discussion on the topic, which you know makes them aware of you know what's going on, and I make sure that they're aware that AI systems need large amounts of data for them to even function efficiently. So making sure you know they understand you know this is fetching a lot of data, and then you know, just really making sure that they understand that it is happening. And then, you know, having open communication with with them and stakeholders, um, just to, you know, define common goals and priorities in AI and education, and then hopefully eventually develop ethical guidelines and best practices um, in the space.
0: Yeah, and you know, and that's something that's very important. And I'm glad that you do uh, share that with teachers, because I know, oftentimes, you know, at least from my experience. we There's so many of us, we're so like little pockets of uh, early adopters and innovators, and we want to be the first to try things out and kind of use it. But sometimes we don't read the fine print and we don't read like, hey, you know, as far as the age requirements, we we may not read like, hey, it's you can use it 13 years of age, however, you still need that parental consent. So those are just some of the things that I like to kind of look at and just consider Uh, before using the tool. And sometimes, you know, oftentimes, I feel that that kind of falls by the wayside, just because we want to be the first to use it. And we want to introduce this. And we don't take those things into account. But it's good to kind of have those conversations. And, you know, I put out a, a little poll about three days ago, and it was viewed by many people, but not a lot of people answered the poll. But my question was: Is those to all my friends or educators that I know? I said I, my question was: Is for those of you that are using ChatGPT in the classroom, do you are you just using it with your students without parental consent? Yeah. Yes or no? And sixty-three percent said yes, they're using it without parental consent. Yeah. And the other fourteen percent said, like, no, they're not using it." And uh, but I was surprised that not too many people answered it. I don't know if they were just scared or yeah, or bro. something. but but, you know, yeah, it, it's 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 a good question. Like not a lot of people are having those conversations, you know, because everybody's either, you know, wanting to just be the first to do something and say, "Hey, hey, look at me, look at what I can do." And then we'll worry about the consequences later. So I like what you're doing as far as your approach to really, you know, again, and you're definitely showing the the advantages of this technology that I am all for. But then you're also talking about those, uh, you know, the data privacy, uh, you know, ethical uh, considerations and so on. So that way teachers make those educated decisions. But again, at the same time, I th- think that, like yourself, once you give them all that data and information, teachers can definitely use this and really maximize it, maximize the use in the classroom. So, you know, do you find that once you get into maybe that that little bit of of talk with the teachers, some teachers kind of, you know, become a little reluctant? Or do you feel that they just exercise more caution, but are still feeling comfortable using the AI in the classrooms?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, you know, the way the conversation goes, but usually it's, uh, you know, talk them into, it's more comfortable by the end of it, uh, making sure that they know that, uh, you know, although that these do require the AI, um, AI does require a lot of data that, uh, you know, most of it's aligned in a good way, but just making sure they understand that uh, we do have to be aware That uh, these ethical issues exist within AI and have the conversations even with students in the right format eventually.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And then of course, talking with students, I think that's the most important thing that you mentioned there too, also as well, you know, the good digital citizenship, you know, good practice, you know, how to use these tools, because again, we know that they're here We know that it's only going to get better, obviously, the technology, and we know that there's going to be a myriad of tools that are popping up. I mean, they're popping up daily and everybody wants to use them. So it's definitely important that, you know, as educators, we have that talk with our students, you know, proper digital citizenship. I think that will help out significantly and then also like you mentioned, you know, even with something like Chat GPT, don't be putting in your personal information on there, you know, or things of that sort. You know, use it for what it is a research tool, something yeah. that's going to facilitate, you know, maybe just a writer's block or just to give you an idea or generate something like that that's generic. I mean, we, we do that with Google, but definitely ChatGPT does it way better and a lot faster yeah. <laughs> and more efficient, that's for sure. So, yeah. So, William, so going back just a little bit, you know, because I, I know we jumped into this and the, the work that you're doing, but yeah. I don't think I really asked where the idea to do this came yeah. from or what sparked it. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. So it kind of just was the combination of my past, you know, being a master's student in computer science, interning at a service co-op, knowing um, how teachers, you know, might not be super aware of this tool. And I wanted to raise awareness. And uh, also, um, my dad is on the school board at my, in, at my hometown. I'm in Southwestern Minnesota and I asked them like, you know, do teachers need more awareness on this? And it's like, yeah, if you can find a way to actually get in front of them, you know, so they're actually like, uh, know what's going on and tell them what's going on, coming from a student perspective and be able to articulate the knowledge in a way that, you know, they can understand and understand that, you know, this is here and it's here to stay and it can be a huge tool for them. And it's going to be a huge tool for students, you know, as they grow up, as they enter the workforce, you know you think of the 15 year old that is going to be 25 entering the workforce what he has as an ai tool um, when he's 25 is going to be exponentially better than what we have now so just really understanding that it's here to stay and it's only going to keep getting better and better and understanding that it's a tool that is going to be continued to be used in everyday life so really just the whole idea came from raising awareness for teachers and then the presentation idea came from my father and then the training idea I actually had a poll in the presentation that asked the teachers, how can we actually help you implement these ideas? And pretty much 90% of the answers was AI training or more time to spend with AI, someone to help me understand how to use it. Um, so that's where I kind of articulated the training from. And then uh, I took the ideas from the presentation, you know, the creating AI-resistant questions, um, integrating AI into the classroom in an ethical way or make are help using AI to help make AI resistant curriculum in their classroom and uh, turning that into a kind of a four day training to really help them walk them through how they can actually implement these ideas into their classroom.
0: Nice. That's excellent. Well, that's great that you have that opportunity and obviously the vision to be able to do this at, at such an early stage and, of course, helping so many educators. So now my question to you is because I know you are still a current – you're a current master's student in computer science. So um, I'm also curious because, you know, when I started my semester for my doctoral studies uh, in January – chat GPT had come out, you know, in December. So I was like, okay, so what are the profs going to say? What are their thoughts? And really, at least in my program, my, well, my prof was kind of really cool and just said, look, I know that this is out there, but you know, if you submit something and I have a question on it, maybe I'll contact you and so on and we can talk about it. And if something needs to be rewritten, it totally can. We know that many colleges were like, we're going to ban this, we're going to like fail everybody who's using this or cheating and so on. I want to ask, you know, from your lens of being a current master's student at your university, what stance did your university uh, take on the on the matter? And has it tined, tightened up more? Has it kind of loosened up? What has been your experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So surprisingly, there hasn't been a ton of discussion as far as in class, in college with ChatGPT. But uh, when ChatGPT 3 was released, the answers it gave were super shallow. Um, So I think that's kind of why, because when you get into more of the higher level level courses, you know, ChatGPT 3 wasn't very good at um, answering lots of those prompts accurately. Um, it gave you very confident answers, but sometimes they weren't always accurate. But as this Chat GPT 4 is coming out, and I've been using it, but when it really gets released to the public in full, I think that's going to completely change. Um, and I really hope that they uh, are able to take the stance that, you know, term, term, completely terminating the arms race that's between education and anti-cheating technology and may more making it more impossible to cheat by the way the curriculum is given and really um, having those critical thinking questions. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. But as far as right now, um, my professors have talked about it because they use it themselves, but um, there's been no curriculum twi- tweaks or messages from like, the university itself about ChatGPT so far.
0: There you go. And, you know, I've seen and on LinkedIn, uh, I think it's Ethan Malik that he professor, he's been putting out some great stuff, and he even included it in his syllabus stating like, yeah, I want you to use this. However, you're going to cite where it is that you used it and why you used it. So, oh yeah. wow. you know, he saw it as a tool and said, you know, I know that you're probably going to use it, but I want you to tell me why and how and just give me a little explanation. And so I thought that that was great because, again, it's going to kind of force the student to, all right, if I'm going to use it, let me see, what am I using it for?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, give some explanation, but still the learning is taking place. I've heard other viewpoints, too, as well is and in my mind, too, I and maybe this is just because I've never been a big a fan of writing and writing is just like, oh, yeah. but I, I even questioned one of my profs because he had posted something and I said, do you think that this is going to be the end of the dissertation? Because to myself is well, what exactly is the dissertation? You know, I know there's research that goes behind it. It's going to measure, um, you know, I guess how well you do research and how well you do an experiment and those things and you put it down. But to me, I'm like, well, can't I just show you how much knowledge I can, you know, share with you via a capstone project where I can show you either create a portfolio or create a learning artifact at the end, like a project or something. There'll still be some writing, but it's not going to be, you know, 200 pages of dissertation where I'm going through coding data and coding, you know, interviews and things of that sort. So I know that there has been that school of thought of what is it that the professor is actually measuring? Are they measuring stamina, like writing 20 pages and citing sources? Or are they actually measuring learning? Because you may not need 20 pages to show that learning took place. So Now there's a lot of questions there up in the air, you know, within the higher ed space. And I would assume that that would even trickle down into the K-12 space as far as writing, because usually as K as higher ed does, you know, kind of K-12 adjusts to prepare them for that. So what are some thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely going back a little bit to ChatGPT, most of my most of my classes are math classes. And since it's like text-based, that's the reason why you know nothing has really been uh, said anything about that. But uh, you just want to repeat the last line of your last question for me.
0: Oh, well, my question was is just like, what are you kind of your thoughts on as far as uh, the writing component maybe in in higher ed, you know, as far yeah. as you know, you know, dissertations or twenty page papers. you know because i can easily show you maybe in five pages you know what learning took place rather than the 20 so is it grading stamina and citation or is it actually looking at the learning
1: yeah and i've never been a writing person myself either (laughs) so uh in my opinion like you know the whole act of you know writing a six-page report on a project that i'm doing um like in one of my a real world examples in one of my master's classes right now, it's an artificial intelligence class is I'm doing this project, um, but then I have to write a 12 page paper on it. Um, I think that's just stamina because, you know, doing the project itself and just showing that I actually did it is where the real learning took place. But uh, so in my opinion, um, I agree with you in the in the statement that uh, that's probably going to slowly go away, um, especially with these. With all the AI tools going on right now. But uh, I'm very much in agreement with you on that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and again, that's just me, my personal opinion, just because, yeah. again, I'm not a fan of writing. And, and also because maybe it's just that fear that I'm going to be going into dissertation soon. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be a lot of writing. Yeah. I, and I've actually asked, I was like, hey, can, can I just do a capstone or something instead of having to write? But I know the writing will get done. I know the study will get done. Yeah. And I know everything is great. But it, it's just, again, like you mentioned, with so many tools coming out, You know, one has to question and say, hey, is this something that is going to continue or due to the the tools that are available, are different kind of learning artifacts going to be asked for uh, asked from or excuse me, are going to be asked for from students to show the learning? Because now, I mean, you've got like runway ML that you can just create now their their new runway ML it's going to be text to video and so anything you type you're going to be able to create like yeah. we just saw today you know canva yeah. you know the magic design now i just type in what my presentation is going to be about it's already going to give me my slides yeah uh, you know things of that sort so i i'm sure that you know within this next year i think we well, you're going to see a shift yeah. in maybe even in that higher ed space because of the tools that are out there and of course that trickles down to Uh, K twelve, And, you know, one thing I did want to add that I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Lena Marie, uh, who was uh, on the show. I think a lot of the fear, too, is that now the AI is front facing, um, as opposed to it used to be on the back end in the K-12 space where, you know, the AI students get on a platform, it'll kind of give them a learning path, kind of guide them through the path so they can become successful. But now that AI is front facing and that kind of caused some of this fear that thankfully, you know, somebody like yourself saw like, hey, you know what, let us let me help here. Let me help the space out. Let me help people feel comfortable with AI. So I'm definitely thankful yeah. for, you know, people like you, William, who are doing so many great things for our teachers and everybody that's out there also in the Twitter space, you know, bringing, uh, you know, just some knowledge knowledge and some peace to teachers and being able to see how great this can be and how much better it will be in the future so thank you so much so William as we get ready to wrap up and we wrap up with our last three questions but before we yeah. do that William for all our audience members that are watching us live or that are going to catch this show on the replay can you tell us how, how it is that they might be able to get a hold of you in case they, yes. they would love to ask for some help in professional development?
1: Yeah absolutely so if you are a school district that is looking for help um, if you go on to groovyeducation.com that uh, there's a scheduled meeting there if you schedule a meeting I'll walk you through. You know, our process, my process of the training and show you what we can offer and the program and how it will benefit your school and how we will actually walk you, walk your teachers through it and help them ethically um, do this for themselves and for their students. Um, If you're looking um, just for an inquiry, you want to get a hold of me, you can go on my website, go to the contact me on the bottom of all the pages. There's a little form you can fill out. Um, and you'll reach my email and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. You can also reach me on, on my Twitter as well. Um, shoot me a DM, um, and I'll be sure to respond to you.
0: Excellent. I've been sharing your website and I've been sharing your Twitter handle also. And of course, all of that will be on the show notes, but William, thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful insight. But before we go, this is one of my favorite segments of the show here where we end with the last three questions so william saying of course you know it's a little different because yeah you are an educator you know again because you're out there educating <laughs> uh teachers yeah. but that wasn't your traditional route but my question yeah. to you is you normally i ask what is your current edu kryptonite but now what i want to ask is what is your current ai kryptonite
1: yeah so like what um what,
0: it, Remember, um, what do
1: you mean is,
0: particularly well, by kryptonite? Oh, yeah, kryptonite. So Superman, what made him weak was kryptonite. So that okay, was like yeah. kind of like what uh, made made him, like uh, I guess, uh, drain his power, you know, per se. Yes. So in the current state of AI, what is yeah. your AI kryptonite? What is it that you either see or hear as far as a practice or something that just makes you like, oh, why? Like, you know.
1: Yes, it is definitely kind of the lack of critical thinking skills that students are facing right now, um, since because, you know, all education is not adapted to these times of AI, um, kids are missing out on, you know, years um, or not necessarily not so years, but they're missing out right now on that critical thinking skill set. So, you know, you see kids that are just merely asking AI and using it more of a crutch instead of a tool. Um, they're really missing out on that critical thinking aspect and it, you know, it might set them back as far as, you know, when they get to um, the real workforce. Um, you th- we have all this information at our hands and uh, the things can t- do calculations so fast now. So students that is, the students that are able to actually use AI as, as tools and, you know, take all this information that we can get so fast and take all the calculations that we can do so fast with online tools and actually apply them in meaningful ways. Um, With that critical thinking skill set, they're going to be so much farther ahead of a student that uh, merely was using AI as a crutch and never really learned how to take um, what AI gave it and use it in a meaningful way.
0: All right. Great answer. Thank you so much. Very insightful. A lot of good stuff there, William. All right. Question number two, William, is if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why?
1: Hmm. I would say probably <laughs> let's use AI as tools. <laughs> yeah. All right,
0: there you go, AI. and I love what you said that, or the way that you said that, because. AI is a tool. So, I mean, again, and we know that for several of our tasks, you know, we have to pick the right tool for the right time. So, again, always, sometimes we always hear the phrase in education is like, don't just use the tech for tech's sake. You know, the tech is a tool to help you either enhance the learning, augment the learning, or substitute a portion of the learning, or, you know, redefine the learning. So, Again, I love what you said there because that's the way that I'm taking it is like you can definitely use AI for all of those things. So, yeah, definitely. All right, William, the last question. Let's say that this was the Groovy AI podcast. Yes. Uh, maybe, Maybe that might be coming up in the future. I don't know, William. The Groovy AI podcast. And I was your guest. Yes. What would be one question you'd like to ask me?
1: Absolutely. So if I was the, uh, the host, um, and I was having you on, I'd probably ask you, um, in what ways can we best teach these, um, you know, these teachers and these students about that, uh, you know, the data laws with AI and um, all the ethical concerns as far as with data privacy and algorithmic bias?
0: Yeah, actually, you know, that's a great question, because that's something that, of course, I've been sharing a lot of and doing a lot of my research on that for, and it started again with my doctoral study, my paper, and then it just kind of been diving in deeper. But really, I think what you're doing is great, which is really just giving that information, being open and honest and saying, look, here we have a wonderful tool that can do so much good for you as a teacher to be able to save you time, to enhance your learning, to do all of these things, um, you know, and again, provide those um, AI resistant prompts and so on. However, you know, I do want to share with you that there is this other side, you know, there's the side that you may not hear too much about that can sound a little scary because it, it can be, however, by, you know, talking to them about digital citizenship and then obviously talking to students about digital citizenship and their footprint and things of that sort. And in, in a way that, uh, I mean, for a lot of our, our teachers and a lot of our students already do lessons within um, the school year on that, it's just really reinforce it now with AI tools, just being very cautious, uh, learning, you know, obviously now we we have to learn a little bit more about Uh, sources curating information also deep fakes because man we've i've seen some stuff on mid journey now on the the new version of mid journey that just came out just you're i'm like is this real or is this not real so yeah so it's really just being open and having those conversations not not in an off putting way where you're really going to scare the teacher to not use the tools but just really just to keep them informed because i i I'm a believer that there is more good that is going to come from the tools than it is you know than there is a, the bad side of it in education However, you know that we always have some bad characters that are always wanting to do some bad things with those. But that goes with anything in tech. So, really, just making sure that all your stakeholders are informed, everybody is kept, uh, you know, up to date on any yeah. changes, any concerns as far as age restrictions and of course just being very cautious with the data that is shared you know with these prompts or in these programs but again just keeping it simple and just making sure that we reconcile those two worlds and again to the benefit of the teacher and to the benefit of the student as well so That would be my answer for that, too. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: All right, William. Well, William, it has been an honor and a pleasure. And I really want to thank you for reaching out to me on Twitter and just tagging me on that post. It was great to have uh, met up with you, you know, the last couple of days. And now it's like, hey, you're on the show. And I'm thankful again for what you're doing, what you shared. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm really excited about what is ahead for you you because of the great work that you're doing and how you keep you know up to date with all the tech that is out there so maybe within six months or so maybe i would love to have you back just to see how things have changed how have they grown or just to see things from your perspective too as well i'd definitely appreciate that for sure
1: Yeah. And I appreciate you so much for um, having me on, you know, I was just somebody that took you on a Twitter and then we hopped on a call and we discussed um, all these issues together. And uh, I really appreciate and thank you for um, everything that uh, you have shared with me.
0: Absolutely. And that's what we're here for. So for all our friends that joined us today, thank you, Mel. Thank you, everybody. Those of us, uh, those of you that are going to be catching this on the replay thank you as always for making my edtech life what it is today as you know our mission is to connect educators and creators one show at a time so please make sure that you visit our website at myedtech.life myedtech.life or you can check out this amazing episode and the other 185 amazing episodes with educators and creators that you can definitely learn something from. You can add it and sprinkle it on to what you are already doing great. Please make sure that you visit us on all socials. Make sure that you follow us, that you like, you share, give us a thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We would definitely appreciate that. And also, if you'd like to support our show, please make sure you stop by our merch store where you can get yourself a cap, some sweaters, some My Ed Tech Life merch. And as you know, all of that goes back to this show because we want to continue to do the best for you each and every time. So we really appreciate it so much. And my friends, as always, don't forget until next time, stay techie.